Welcome to another episode of Two Pillars Podcast. We are continuing our Fate Series. So we're Fate Series Part 5 today. Two more, so today and then next week is our last Fate Series episode. In today's episode, I share examples of unshakable faith. Faith so strong that the hero in the story never showed a doubt of faith, which... Boy, I tell you, I pray for this type of faith every single day. It can be easy to let fear and doubt overshadow your faith, but let these examples guide you through those times and let your faith be strengthened. The first story is taken from 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 8 to 37. One day, Elisha went to Shunem. And a well-to-do woman was there, who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to her servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my people. What can be done for her? Elisha said. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant and the next year about that time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head. His father told the servant, Carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please, send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not a new moon in the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's a Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my lord, she said. Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your coat and cloak into your belt. 
Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, The boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite, and he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. There's a couple of examples of great faith, not to mention Elisha's great faith, that he was going to be able to take this boy who had died and be able to bring him back to life. The Shunammite woman also showed great faith. When Elisha's servant approached her, asking what is wrong, her reply was, all is well. That took enormous faith. The Shunammite woman didn't want Elisha to learn her grief through her assistant Gehazi. She wanted a man of God to hear it from her own lips and sense her own grief. She knew that the, 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 the man of God, the servant, that predicted that she would give birth to a son would be able to take away her grief. She had just lost her son but never showed doubt that she would hold him in her arms again, thanks to the prophet Elisha. Elisha's, pr- Elisha's faith also was super strong. He prayed with great faith because he knew God worked his way in the life of his mentor Elijah. He also prayed with great faith because he sensed that God wanted to raise this boy from the dead. It was Elisha's faith in his prayer that brought the boy back to life. The second story is about the repentant thief on a cross. Taken from Luke chapter 23 verses 32 to 43. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? 
We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen. When James and John asked Jesus for the places of honor next to him in his kingdom, he told them they didn't know what they were asking. Here Jesus was preparing to inaugurate his kingdom through his death, the places on his right and on his left, by dying men, criminals. As one of the criminals was about to die, he turned to Christ for forgiveness, and Christ accepted him. This shows that our deeds don't save us. Our faith in Christ does. It is never too late to turn to God. The dying criminal had more faith than the rest of Jesus' followers. Although the disciples continued to love Jesus, their hopes for the kingdom were shattered. Once Jesus was arrested, not not only did they run away, Peter denied him three times. Most had gotten into hiding. One of his followers would later say, We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. By contrast, the criminal looked at the man dying next to him and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. If you struggle with your faith, look to this criminal who had faith that Jesus was the Savior and begged his forgiveness. Even in his misery, Jesus had mercy on this criminal who decided to believe in him. Our lives can be joyful and full of grace if we turn to God early, but even those who repent at the end will be with God in paradise. Is this fair that this criminal who, I mean, nothing much is said about him except that he was a criminal, uh, at the end, right before he dies, he gets, he gets saved. If you remember Jesus' parable of the workers in the vineyard, in the vineyard, you can take it from uh, the stories can be found in Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. Jesus had said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them in Daenerys for the day and sent them to his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, he answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day? But he answered, 
one of them. I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last, the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? So, Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Just like Jesus forgave the sinner on the cross, Jesus clarifies the membership rules of the kingdom of heaven. Entrance is by God's grace alone. We shouldn't begrudge those who turn to God in the last moments of life. Because in reality, in reality, no one deserves eternal life. I know I don't. I am imperfect. But even then, God's grace saves me. God's grace saves you if you put your faith in him. Do you resent God's gracious acceptance of the despised, the outcasts, and the sinners who have turned to him for forgiveness? Instead, focus on God's gracious benefits to you and be grateful for what you have. The next story is a short one. It's taken from Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, Large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to, him, to them. Amen. In the ancient world, leprosy was a terrible destructive disease and still is in some parts of the world. This leper had no hope of improvement. His only hope was in Jesus. He came to him with a great sense of need and desperation. And according to Jewish law and customs, one had to keep six feet away from a leper. If the wind was blowing toward a person from a leper, they had to keep 150 feet. The only thing more defiling than contact with a leper was contact with a dead body. Imagine how this man must have felt, an outcast. Forget a mask that we have to wear now during the pandemic. There was no one that would want to be near him for fear of catching a disease. Compare leprosy to sin and its effects. It's contagious debilitating disease that corrupts its victim and makes him essentially dead while alive. This leper came to Jesus by himself and despite many discouragements and what I am sure were the many downcast eyes in his way. He knew that other people gave up on him as having a hopeless condition. He had no one who would or could take him to Jesus. He had no invitation from Jesus or the disciples and he must have felt ashamed and alone in the crowd. Despite all of this, his desire to f be free from his disease combined with his faith gave him the strength to approach Jesus. He not only approached him, but worshipped him. He worshipped Jesus by coming to him, honoring him as the one who could meet his otherwise impossible need. He worshipped Jesus with the word Lord, honoring him, as master and God and he worshiped Jesus with his humility not demanding 
believing the request to the will of Jesus. More importantly, he worshipped Jesus with his respect of the power of Jesus, saying that all that was necessary was the will of Jesus and he would be healed. He had confidence that Jesus could make him more than healthy. He could make him clean. When the cards are stacked against you, when you feel down, alone, when you look in the mirror and see a person faced with problems, when you doubt you can overcome, look up. Look up and believe you are not alone. Believe, feel God's presence with you. Jesus, Jesus was sacrificed for you. God's grace makes you whole through your faith. Read his word. Live his word. Look in the mirror once more. God loves you. God is awesome. And he can make you clean. Just believe and have faith. The last story I want to reference is a famous one for believers and non-believers alike. I think pretty much almost everyone knows the story of the Red Sea crossing. The Pharaoh was approaching the Israelites. They were running away from the Pharaoh. Pharaoh decided to chase chase the Israelites. They're trying to escape Egypt and what they see in front of them is the Red Sea. A great, great water crossing. They think, you know, this is the end. Where are we going to turn to? Moses answers his people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. The next verses are taken from Exodus chapter 14, 15 to 31. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israelites' army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them coming from between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, 
Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Amen. The Israelites were afraid. It made sense. In their circumstances, I can just imagine the terror in their hearts. They see Pharaoh's armies on one side and the Red Sea on the other. They seem to have no chance for escape. But God led Israel into what seemed to be a trap. There was no way of of escape except the way they came in. And the Egyptian army had that path blocked. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They did the right thing. When you find yourselves in dangerous places, in troubled times, with no easy escape, trust and cry out to God. Because, as Psalm 46 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 600 Egyptian war chariots were bearing down on the helpless Israelites who were trapped between the mountains and the sea. They were trapped against the sea and Israel had faced the Egyptian army sweeping in for the kill. After watching God's powerful hand deliver them from Egypt, their only response was fear and despair. Where was their trust in God? Israel had to learn from repeated experience that God was able to provide for them. God had preserved these examples, preserved these examples in the Bible so that we could learn to trust him the first time. Who showed faith? Moses showed faith. Their lack of faith in God was startling. Yet, you know, I can't can't judge because how often do I find myself doing the same thing? Complaining over inconvenience or discomforts. Moses was the one who showed enormous faith. He encouraged them to watch the wonderful way God could rescue them. He had a positive attitude, and when it looked like they were trapped, Moses called on to God to intervene. We may not be chased by an army, but we may still feel trapped. Instead of giving in to the despair, adopt Moses' attitude to stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. The Lord, his answer to Moses was to stop praying and get moving. Prayer must have a vital place in our lives, but there's also a place for action. One without the other is incomplete. Sometimes we know what to do, but we pray for more guidance, which only postpones us doing it. If you know what to do, 
get moving. What changed? What what convinced the Israelites to move forward? It was Moses and his faith. He said, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you seen today, you shall see again no more. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. He was the leader that helped the people turn their faith to God. Sometimes we need that reminder of God in our life, whether it's a friend, a spouse, or scripture in the Bible. In times of trouble, turn to your faith community and to the Bible for strength. Moses reminded them who was for them. Forget the Pharaoh. God is more powerful than anyone or anything. Before the people, Moses was full of faith. Before God, he cried out in desperate prayer, but the Lord said, Why do you cry to me? This was now a time to act. There is a quote from Charles Spurgeon that says, There is a time for praying, but there is also a time for holy activity. Prayer is adapted for almost every season, yet not prayer alone, for there comes every now and then a time when even prayer must take a secondary place. Let prayer give you strength and fuel your faith. But it's your actions that truly show your heart and who you are as a believer, as a Christian. It is through the right action that our faith becomes unshakable. I hope you enjoyed this fifth uh, part five of this series. As I mentioned, next week will be our last part of this series we will have different type of series throughout uh, throughout this podcast hope you enjoyed it if you do enjoy this podcast I would truly appreciate if you can subscribe even better comment or best do both and this really is the best way to get this podcast viewed from others I really hope you join me next week for the last part of the faith series Have a great rest of your day.